Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, folks, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fuck sticks, what the fuckadelics, what the fuckstables? How are you? What's happening? Mark Marin here. This is my show, WTF. Thank you for listening. Thank you for always listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate the input. I appreciate your ears. I'm glad that you enjoy the show. If you're, if you're on a run right now, you can do it. Go, 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 go. If you're in your cubicle right now, you can get through it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. If you're just at home, maybe cooking something, watch your measurements. Don't screw it up. Don't add too much. Check the oven. Check it. If you're you're driving, hey, chill out. Relax. There's nothing you can do about this. It's out of your control. All right? Just wait it out. Uh, There's no reason for it. And uh, don't, it's it's not your fault. I mean, you, you left early enough, right? Am I right? I mean, how, how early can you leave? I mean, you didn't know it would be like this. It's just bullshit. God damn it. What could be causing this? Oh, this guy. Maybe you're driving a truck and you're out there in the open road trying not to fall asleep. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It was just in a Spike Lee movie. So uh, what's happening? My guest today is Patricia Williams, known as Ms. Pat, on the road as a comedian. Amazing stories of perseverance, survival, transcendence. Oh, God, it's, uh, yeah, buckle up. It's going to be good. Let me tell you where I'm at right now, and then we'll ease into, uh, into the conversation with Ms. Pat. I took Monkey to the vet because Monkey's still going at his junk, still licking his own dick, and uh, he was on antibiotics for two weeks. And I just, it is so traumatic for me to get that goddamn cat to the vet. It, I mean, I can get him in the cage, but I'm starting to think that I didn't socialize my cats properly. Maybe I should have handled them more. Maybe I should have uh, uh, made them more comfortable with me and people as opposed to just let them continue to be wild and dictate their own goddamn behavior like you have no choice with cats. But I just got a call from the doc. Says, uh, yeah, we got to put him under just to give him a bath and get a, a urine sample because he's fighting. What the fuck, man? Yeah, I take him to the vet. He's howling, howling. It's like, 
No other cat is doing that there. Why has it got to be my kid? Why has it got to be my cat? Why does my cat got to be the drama addict? Why is my cat such a pussy? Huh? Why? And then I feel bad. I didn't want to bring him in, but I'm going out of town for a couple of days. I got someone watching the house, but it's like, he's going to be all fucking loopy because that, that vet, he always gives me the cat half cocked, just wasted, shit faced. It's not as endearing as maybe a, a kid who, who might've had uh, uh, a little gas at the dentist, like that YouTube video. That's funny. A fucked up cat's not funny because it doesn't know what's going on. Neither does a kid, but a cat's a cat. So it's going to freak out on top of that and try and run and hide. Whatever, man. You know what? I'm not complaining. I exercised. I had a, a, a overly thick smoothie. My cat is at the vet being taken care of. I'm doing responsible shit. All right? Okay. Here's the deal. Miss Pat uh, has been making the, the podcast rounds a bit. Uh, I didn't know anything about her. Uh, Joe had her on. And I know Ari had her on. But, you know, I did a little investigating because her fans were telling me, like, you know, I got to have her on. I got to have her on. And I watched some of her stand up and I, you know, I got it. It was good. It seemed to be coming from a place of, of genuine storytelling and, 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 and very dark, uh, dark stories in the sense that they were harrowing. But the one thing that I don't experience and what I don't talk about a lot and I don't have the opportunity to, I guess I could make more opportunity to, is what it's like to grow up poor and black in America. I can't even begin to understand what the black experience is like. Even being told it through fiction or through music or through uh, you know some biographies I have read in my life, there is just I am completely outside of that experience. And I got to be honest with you, you know, talking to Miss Pat to me is mind blowing because the black struggle is something I'm familiar with in the pop culture that I consume. But the the truth of the matter is is I don't know the truth of the matter. And when I talk to Miss Pat, it's just fucking mind blowing because. Poverty, it, no matter what color it is, is devastating. And the community that, uh, you know, the ghetto communities that exist in this country have their own set of politics, rules, customs, survival modes that I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily privy to in terms of people I talk to. So for me, you know, talking to Miss Pat and having her be able to frame it with a certain amount of... Um, an amazing amount of humility and an amazing amount of humor was was just fucking mind blowing to me, and it maybe maybe I'm shut off, maybe you know I'm uh, I don't think I'm closed minded in any way, but I do not know the experience, and uh, and it was it was it was powerful. There's there's no way there's no way to, uh, other way to frame it other than powerful and powerfully funny. But it it is sort of uh, upsetting to me that that I don't. I don't know. I don't have a real sense of, of of that experience, and and all I can look at it is is as as a as a social phenomenon, or or a political phenomenon, or or just a a, a, a very sad and tragic phenomenon that this that that ghetto life still exists and persists. And uh, when you, even when I talk to Miss Pat, it's like you don't get the feeling that it's ever going to end. It's almost like it's relentless, very devastating. 
But nonetheless, this is uh, Ms. Pat is certainly the best person available for me to talk to uh, about her story and, and for me to learn something and hear somebody uh, whose experience is completely different than mine. So let's go to let's talk to Miss Pat. And, you know, and uh, like I said, get re- sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Ready. So, Ms. Pat, I, I guess I'm the last podcaster to get you. How many have you done now? You've done everybody's? Just about everybody. I've done all the good ones. How about that? Oh, that's good. That's I, good. I don't know how I missed you. How did I miss you? Oh, oh. don't nobody know who the fuck I am, Mark. Well, that, that's going to change, Pat. <laughs> I see. I see. That's what Joe Rogan said when I did his. Oh, really? He yeah. said you're about to happen? That's what he said. He said, I'm about to pop like a chicken. But I was like, you must haven't seen my stomach. I'm wearing a spank. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been around for how long? I've been doing comedy 12 years. 12 years? Yeah. And where'd you start out at? Atlanta. Is that where you grew up? I'm born and raised, but I live in Indiana, in Indianapolis now. How'd you end up in Indianapolis? My fucking husband worked at General Motors. and <laughs> That's a good he, job, right? Yeah, he didn't want to take the buyout, so he didn't want to go to Dallas. Yeah. So we moved to Indy. But uh, was that a big change? Must be a big change. Hell, yes. <laughs> that was a big, it's slower. Nobody can fix hair there. Um, it's, we live in a neighborhood with all white people, and they all know each other, and they all go to church every week, and they... Was that like? But is that is, is it weird? Do you go to church with them? Do you? No, get I don't go to fucking church with them. <laughs> they they were so homey, and so yeah. when I first started in Atlanta, you know, when you a comic, you got to get out and grind your that's ass right. off. Yeah, and that's something my husband didn't understand. So he moved me to this small city. Say, well, you know, hopefully this shit is just you know a little phase she going through. Right. And, oh, the comedy. Yeah, the comedy. Yeah, yeah, you get past that. And then you know, I I started in like an urban setting, so right. it was no urban setting there in right. Indy. So I had to kind of figure out. Well, shit, how do I write something for everybody? Yeah, and well, we were just talking about that before uh, we were coming out here, that we're both doing this show today, and you're, you're concerned about it. I'm, yeah, I'm always concerned about it. I mean, it's Comedy Central, you know, and I'm kind of intimidated. Then I look, and I'm taping with you and fucking um, <laughs> Joe Rogan. Oh, my God, why they got me taping with him? I'd rather tape with a bunch of nobodies then. But my manager was like, Pat, come on, just get over it, okay? You, yeah. you, you just as good as anybody else. You've been doing it 12 years, and your life story is compelling, and you're a natural storyteller, but you're still a little hard on yourself. I'm always hard on myself. But in white audiences make you nervous? White people used to make me nervous. I'm black, Mark. 
I committed a bunch of crimes before this shit. Well, so that nervousness goes both ways, I'm sure. Well, it, it has a lot to do with my childhood because, you know, I, I grew up in, I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta. I grew up with an alcoholic mom, you know, who taught me, you know, like, and, and literally she told me this. She said, white people are better than you, so don't ever look them in the eye. So when you raise a kid like that, I grew up really thinking that y'all was so much different from me. So when I became a comedian and I started talking about my life, you know, people's like, oh, my God, you funny. And I'm like, oh, who the fuck are you? And get away from me. I'm talking about shit from the hood. You can't relate. Right. And so they just took a like white people. took People took a liking to me. And I wasn't used to white people taking a liking to me. And I realized, fuck, we all the same. Yeah. Taught my mama that stupid shit. Well, I think that stupid shit had been being taught for generations. Yeah. I mean, I how long had she had her family been in Atlanta? I mean, they was born and raised there from well, the South. Yeah, so the South is the South. Yes. You know, that shit gets ingrained in your head. Yeah, and and that's what, you know, that's what she taught me. And then, you know, it, it's the cycle that went through our family, teenage pregnancy. Right. My mama had her first kid at 15. I had my first kid at 14. Really? Yeah, I had two kids by the time I was 16. So my, you know, she, she used to tell me stuff like, if a man don't beat you, he don't love you. So... <laughs> Honestly, I when my baby daddy was punching me in the same aisle on Friday, I was like, oh, this Negro love me. But one time he hit me with a skate, and I was like, fuck it, this love, I can do without it. <laughs> yeah. I, How many sisters and brothers do you have? I have one sister and three brothers. And they're all around? They all right? Yeah, they, well, they're all on drugs, except one brother. <laughs> I was fucked up, back, you know, up, upbringing, but, you know, yeah. my sister's on drugs. She just got out of jail my brother um he's in jail my other brother in and out of jail but that's how we grew up that's the cycle of the ghetto it's yeah. like you just keep recycling shit what is it that stops people from like you got out you gotta want to get out and you know that's the question i get answered a lot they was like you know because i was 16 years old with two kids by yeah. a married man that yeah. beat on me all the fucking time by a married man he was married and you were just across town kind of thing? Well, his wife lived in Decatur. I lived in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was married when I first met him. He, I was 12 when I met him. He was 22. Oh, my God. How'd you meet him? Coming from a fucking YMCA party for kids. And he was uh, like a counselor or something? No. He was a kid, too? He's 22. That's not, No, not he was. He thought he was a kid. He was. My sister was dating one of his friends. Uh-huh. So we was coming from a party. He had a car, so he gave us all a ride. Right. And I was the only one that didn't have a boyfriend at night because my sister and my cousin had a boyfriend. Right. But, you know, he thought I, I had a really nice figure. <laughs> you were 12. <laughs> fuck yeah. You know, all 12s, you know, like they're ready to fuck, but they're really not. Right. You know, like pick, picking the fucking tomato too soon. Yeah. So he thought, you know, I he thought I, I guess he thought I looked good. He was the first person that ever really paid me some attention. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't get any attention. I didn't have a fucking daddy, so I didn't get any attention from my mom, and I didn't get any attention from my brother. So he act like I was the shit. And I didn't know in return you had to get his grown-ass dude pussy. Yeah. So, you know, I went along with it. I thought he loved me. So you had two years before you gave him pussy? No. I mean, I think I was 12, and um, I turned 13 that year. A couple of months out, then I got pregnant. Oh my God! Yeah. So, well, so can we, this guy's a child molester, is what he was. You know what? He <laughs> now he's a child molester, right? But then you ask him that he—he's your age. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you that he's not. Yeah. He'll tell he'll t- and I asked him one time, and I say, you know, I don't, I don't want to say 
I kind of fought you for fucking up my life. I said, but what do you have to say? He said, well, uh, I said, I was 12 years old. Who fucked 12 years? Yeah. He said, your mind and body wasn't 12. That shit hit me in my chest like a brick. Yeah. Well, that's a, well, that's a rationalization. Yeah. That's I mean, how child molesters think. That, yeah. Hey, <laughs> if it got a little hair on it, it ready. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is there others, though? I mean, was he a guy that you... Do, yeah, I think it was, but he always know. messed with younger girls. Yes, right. he had like 20-some kids. You know, I got pregnant. 20 kids. Yeah, he had a bunch of fucking kids. So your you got a uh, your kids got a bunch of you know, like 20-step half-brothers. Yeah, no. We, in the hood, we don't count that no. what's outside the family. <laughs> okay. We don't do that half shit. <laughs> Unless it's by the mama and you live in that household. <laughs> that it's just another kid yeah, that you might be related to. Yes, yes. <laughs> but the good thing about this dude, he signed all the kids' birth certificates so they know, you know, on Facebook they all connect, but not in person. Because they see that name and like, hey, is your daddy there? And it was like, oh, that's my daddy. Oh, really? Another one of y'all just popping up out of nowhere? <laughs> oh, my God. So, you know. So there's a whole fan group or a whole, like, yeah. Uh, it's a bunch of them, you know. Now, did he have a relationship with... With uh, with your kids? I mean, throughout? You know what, Mark? I tell you, he took me through a lot. Like, he beat me. He shot me. He shot you? Yes, he shot me in the back of the head. In the back of the head? Yes. On purpose? He said it was a mistake, but, you know, he said the gun went off, but... You know, because he was hitting me with the gun. So he said it was a mistake. I think he was trying to fucking kill me. I was fit. I was 15 at the time. So. um, But how how does it get to that point? I mean, so he's 15. You, he, he's married. You're 15. Yeah, I was 15 at the time he shot me. Right. So but you had his kid at 13 and he's and yet. But two. by this time, you got to remember, you got to to control something. You got to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. So by this time, whatever he said went, you yeah. know, I was just fucking naive because I, I, I think I was a young girl looking for now I realize I was a young girl looking for a father figure sure so now you got you got me and I'm thinking that you you know you the answer to all you, you finally I found somebody that loved he me he just stepped in and took over he stepped in and took over he showed me what I didn't get at home love right you know in the beginning compassion he he t- to me he was taking care of me yeah so he was my fucking answer he was my white knight right but then that's when the abuse come you know the talking down to me I'm bitches I'm hoes beating on me I'm fucking 14 what do I know about having a man yeah. what do I know about living what do I know about anything I mean you I get pregnant and I don't even know you married to your wife knock on my door and what happened that day i was i was 13 she knocks on my door and she asked for me because my my street name was, she, was rabbit was she a grown woman yeah she was like 19 hmm. so she wow. knocks on my door and she said uh, i want to see rabbit and i said i'm rabbit i'm thinking she's some bitch that want to play with me in the neighborhood mm-hmm. you know because I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant but i'm really a kid yeah so she told me who she was and that she was um having she was there she was his wife oh. and i was so fucking confused and i'm like a wife and I was like, well, how's you his wife? You got to be his girlfriend yeah. first. I'm his girlfriend. Yeah. And she was like, how old are you? I said, I'm I'm 13. So she pulled me outside. Yeah. Uh, this is a true story. Yeah. And we talks about, we, she buy me ice cream from the truck. <laughs> and she want to discuss me having an abortion. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I'm like, you know, all you're going to give me is a fucking bum pop to kill my baby. But in my mind, if I had this baby, it'll be somebody that loved me. Yeah. And that was the main reason that I kept that baby. Because at that time, he wasn't beating on me. It wasn't until after I had that first baby, then he got me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everything, it was like crack. Right. It was like crack or heroin, any strong drug out there. That's how I, I had to have him. Right. Whatever he said that went. And, you know, plus I had a mama that taught me early on, if a man don't beat you, he don't 
don't love you. So I'm thinking every punch is a fucking Valentine gift. Yeah, yeah. And, and but, but you felt the pain. Yes, but I had to grow up. I had to start saying. I started saying, you know, well, what, what the fuck? I, I had a daughter. What was so crazy? And she see him stomping me and beating me and putting his, you know, talking to me in the kind of way. I said, well, fuck, how's she gonna grow up and get a man to treat her if if he treat me like? This? When did you have that realization? How old were you? After, mm, probably 15? about six, about fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. And your mother was just, was she drunk all the time or? She was drunk pretty much all the time. And my mama died when I was 16. So I'm out there with two kids. And no mama. No mama, no daddy. Oh my God. Raising two kids. And I started selling crack. So when I started selling crack, that was the way for me to, you know, take care of my kids. Because who really going to give a 16 year old a job? I tried to get a job. Where? Um, I used to I tried to waitress at the Waffle House mm-hmm. not the Waffle House it was called the Heather House back then Yeah, and so <laughs> you know I was trying to go to school and do the right thing because I had two fucking kids but it wasn't working and I tried to get better jobs and they was like where's your work permit like I got fucking two kids who need a work permit when they got two kids so you still going to school with the kids I was trying, yeah, because yeah. I was in the, what, eighth grade? Yeah, I can't believe it. just seems overwhelming to me. Everybody, you know, people, my main question I get is, how you survive? I don't fucking know. All I had, all I kept thinking of, I got to figure out a way to get my, so my kids don't be recycled into this bullshit that I was born into. Right. So when you're, so when you're a kid, you got what, you, you say you got one sister and two brothers? Three brothers. Three brothers. And mm-hmm. you're all in the same house. What's the age difference? Uh, we all about two years apart. Same father? Supposedly, <laughs> I can't tell when I got a brother who looked like he biracial. Yeah. So, and my daddy is fucking extra black, like he played on the Django, and I'm sitting up here and I'm brown skinned, and my mama dark skin. I'm like, some of this shit ain't adding up. Somebody was creeping somewhere. So, supposedly, we supposed to have the same father. And you but, never met him, or you did? Oh yeah, I took him the last three, four years of his life after I got to know him. Really? And when? At, well, how old are you when you got to know him? Uh, I met him for the first time. He stopped by my house when I was like 11 to whoop us. And so he fucked around and hit us. Never seen this dude a day in my life. And he just he, came by to hit you? He came out to whoop my sister's ass, but he couldn't tell us apart. Uh, why was he whooping your sister's ass? Because she's supposed to have been disrespecting to my mama. And so I walk in the door and he don't know me from my sister and he hit me. And at the time I'm really into wrestling. So I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> me and my brother, we tagged each other in. We was DDTing him and everything. <laughs> we was kicking his ass. Yeah. So that was the first time I met him. Then he disappeared. Mm-hmm. Then later on in life when I became a kind of a big drug dealer, I was seeing from time to time. To sell him drugs? No, no, no. He oh, wasn't okay. on drugs. He was okay. an alcoholic. Oh, just an old yeah. school. Old school alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I want to sell my parents <laughs> <laughs> Bought my mom a lot of weed. Yeah, yeah. Did your mom like? In, how did she handle all the kids? I guess it sounds like everybody just raised themselves, anyways. Yeah, you because figured out the neighborhood raised you um, in a way because everybody was around. Well, my brothers then was in and out of jail. Yeah, and my mama just I moved out when I was sixteen, or like sixteen after. See what it was is I got pregnant again. I had a baby at fourteen. Had a baby at 15. I got pregnant at 16. Yeah. So I we had a caseworker. This is back when the caseworkers used to come to your house. Right. So I told the caseworker, I said, I don't want to have another baby because I cannot afford it. But this dude has got my mind. I got to figure out something. So she said, well, let me show you how to become emancipated minor and you can get your own abortion. Yeah. So I got my first abortion when I was 16 after I divorced my mama. Uh-huh. So once I did that. You had to divorce your mama? Yeah, you have to, to be emancipated. Oh, to get, oh, to, oh, to yeah, emancipated to from the slavery of motherhood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fucking much. Yeah. 
So once I became emancipated minor, I got my own welfare check and I got my own food stamp. So I moved out. Mm-hmm. And you'd already had two kids. I already had two kids. From that, I, that same dude. The same dude. And the third one was his too. The third one was his too. Oh my God. <laughs> well, this is well. See, this is like this is why it's so astounding. I think, and why you know, with with all these uh, these white dudes, you're on the on the podcast. Is like we never get to hear stories like this from somebody who's telling them directly to us with a certain amount of transcendence, with a certain amount of confidence, and somebody who's come through something. Yeah, yeah. We just it, I don't know why it works like that because I I wonder about like I have a hard time getting black comics on my show because I don't I don't know why we don't talk more, but that we just don't. Because society wants us to stay divided. <laughs> Is it society? I can blame society? I mean, it's just, I mean, they tell you, the, the mainstream media make us look one way. Then they tell you what they perceive what the ghetto is about. And, you know, they come up with all these ideas of what really goes on in the ghetto when they don't know shit. Yeah. They don't know shit. Well, I think that's what's amazing about the stuff that I've seen of yours is, and the reason why, you know, I think that you're, you're, you're not going to have any problem translating and that your fears, though, you have them. The thing is, is that I think that in my mind there is a stereotype that that is yeah. that is hit over the head. That, you know that this is the way it is, and a lot of times it, it the story of transcending that and saying like I lived it, this is my truth, and and this is this is why it's fucked up, is is different than like you know just playing along with the stereotype. Well, my thing is, Mar, is that sometimes I get like I talk to my manager a lot, and I get. I, I get a little worried about is people thinking that I'm the same person that I was back then. Cause I, I mean, I remember telling the story about how, when I used to, when I used to sell crack, I used to make a lot of fucking money. And a lot of my hiding spots was in my kids underwear. Yeah. So this guy was like, how, oh, who want to talk to somebody who hid drugs in their kids underwear? So I'm like, do you understand that I was 16 at the time with two fucking kids? I was a fucking kid myself. I didn't know right from wrong, really. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing what I see everybody else is doing. And one of the things that kind of bothers me, do people think that Patricia today is that same person who Rabbit was, which was my street name, yeah. in 1988. I'm not the same fucking person. I wouldn't dare do the things that I did. And either with you. Yeah. I mean, you 50, look at the shit you probably did. We don't even know. Yeah, would, I, you, would you make the same mistakes that you made? I, I would not hide crack in my daughter's underwear again. Uh, <laughs> me either. <laughs> you know, You know, my son don't remember a lot of this shit, but my daughter do. Oh, yeah. And I, I had to go tell my daughter, I did a lot of this stuff to survive. I was not the best mom. I was a kid like you. But my whole thing was keeping us together. And my daughter don't, she don't look down on me like that. And she said, you know, I give you props because you could have dropped me off anywhere. You yeah. could have lost me. You always taking care of me. How old is she now? My daughter's 28. It's amazing. And I kept her from going through half of the shit. Like, I was molested and went through a whole bunch of shit. I talked to my, even after I got married, I told my daughter every day, I said, if my husband ever touch you, I will fuck him up. Nobody means more to me than you do. You got molested, too, on top of everything else? <laughs> well, that's I mean, way before. <laughs> arguably, you were, you were molested when that guy got you pregnant. I mean, yeah, but, I went but, through a but lot of shit. before that, two yes, people coming but, in and out of the house. Well, I mother. was raised in a bootleg house. Yeah. You know, we, we was raised in my grandfather's bootleg house where you had drunk people there around the clock. What was it, rural? 
Where's a bootleg house? It was bootleg house in Atlanta. You know what a bootleg sure. house is? Sure. Well, it's a, what, like illegal liquor, right? Illegal liquor, yeah. And they were making it there. My grandfather was. But was that, I, I picture that to be more of a country situation. Um, I guess it was like country back in the, you know, the 70s and 80s. Shit, they done cut down a few trees where, and made where, it from rows now. Yeah, where was the still of? Where, where'd they make it? Well, he bought it. He oh, okay. went out and bought it and okay. brought it back in gallon jugs. I see. And he had customers So he all went day. to the hills. and He, he got went somewhere it. and got yeah, it and, on the bus. And they, oh, On the bus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Not a truck. He's no. Just, he bring, he the bring truck. my five or six gallons back on a model bus. So this is your mother's father. We live with him. Yeah. And in a house? Big in a house, house. Big house in Decatur. So so you never know who's going to come through a bootleg house. No. It was always drunks and prostitutes and construction workers and number man before the lottery came out. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was shit like that. And somebody got to you. Well, what you think? <laughs> <laughs> I guess a party's a party. Well, you, you know, know when well, you're not watching your kids, anybody, anybody right. fucking get to them. But I said what I went through, my daughter, my kids would never go through. So even after I was married and my daughter was in high school, I still questioned her to one day we had a conversation. She was like, can you please stop asking me this? You've been asking me this for 10 years Which now. ones? Which my, questions? I said, if my husband ever touched you, I'd kill him. And she was like, Mama, by now, don't you think I would have told you? <laughs> this is the husband you're with now. Yes. <laughs> you trust him now, though. Well, you, I, I'm from, I mean, I'm from a background where you can only trust people so much. Of course, I trust him. But, you know, people pop up all the day, all the time, and you not really know their character, right? Right. That, it's well, like, yeah. you, yeah, you probably thought you had a friend and turned out that fucker wasn't a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will surprise you. People will surprise you in this fucking world. So, you know, <laughs> I trust him. Honestly, I do. But, you know, it's, I mean, I've been let down so much in my life. You only get so much. Right. So, so okay. So, you, you sort of temper your trust, you know, like. It's it's there, but you know it's always ready to be shattered somehow. Well, you, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but was your your grandfather sounds like a character? Was he a nice guy? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was a nice guy. He ran a bootleg house, and you know, we we did a lot of shit in that house. I saw a lot of shit in that house. Like I saw him shoot a lady like with two pistols at one time. You did? Yeah, I was like seven years old. And Dead. I, she, no, she wasn't dead because I guess he wasn't that good. He shot her with a thirty-eight. That's a big gun. Big yeah. enough. Not well, a twenty-two. He well, shot I, her. He shot her. He hit her in the stomach and the legs and shit. And I remember him shooting her fingers off. What? Yeah. He shot her fingers off. That's he shot what? like one finger because she would call him a black faggot. Uh-huh. So she, he shot her and her finger went off. And, and it How was, old are you? I was probably about seven. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a quite a life there. Yeah, I mean, we saw everything. What the, so what, what she was just drunk and fucked she up. She called him a black she called him a black faggot. And that was it. And you know, you don't call old black men faggots. <laughs> You get your finger shot off. Yeah, you get your fucking finger shot off. No, so but, he what, shot him. but it sounds like what? Well, what happened after that? Were there cops? I mean, well, he said what well, he told my aunt that day, and he said, uh, "Go pull out the moonshine." And I'm thinking, uh, "Pull out the moonshine." This bitch out here on the ground, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Call," you know, then call the police. And my, and my, oh, my hide aunt, the shit. Hide the, yeah, she yeah. had to go pull it out, and then she called nine one one. And they gave him. I think they gave him like 15 years in prison for shooting that lady because we thought she was gonna die, but she didn't die. She didn't die, but no. he did jail time, so that was the end of the bootleg house yeah and so we moved and that's when a lot of shit started to you know that when the foundation started to crumble because granddaddy always had a foundation at least she was gonna eat and have a place to stay and so after that after he went to jail your mom had to go out on her own and she was what 20 um 
She was in her 20s, yeah. yes, which was an alcoholic, came out of an abusive relationship with my real daddy. I was a baby when she left him. Yeah. And she was just, my mama had an old spirit. She just, whatever my daddy did to her, she never fucking bounced back because I had a stepfather that she just took all that anger out on this little nice dude, was a mechanic. And so when he left, we was just fucked. She just, to me, she gave up. I guess it's hard not to when you grow up in that. You don't know any better. And, and I, mean, I, I mean, it's amazing that you found the fortitude to, to at least know better. Well, you know, I wanted better. Those kids made me strive. Even uh, Well, I say this. It started back when I was in elementary school. I had a teacher named Miss True. She died this year. And she used to tell me. I used to go to school. I was dirty because my mama didn't really give a fuck. And she was like my second or third grade teacher. And she said... Pat, you can be anything in the world you want to be. All you got to do is believe and dream. And I'm 42, Mark, and I still, when I'm getting low, I always quote Miss Troop. When I did time in prison, I always quoted Miss Troop. This this is how I started, but this is not how I'm going to end up. Well, it seems like you're doing all right now. I'm doing pretty good. All right, let's go back to, like, all right, so now you're 12 years old. You started this relationship with this dude. He's 22. You have his baby. Then he starts beating on you. And then you have another one of his babies. Yep. And because the, all the beatings, they, that means love to you. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. yeah, so you got two babies. And now, when was the first time you got shot? Um, I was over my house with dating another dude, and he come over there acting like he's jealous. So, you know, in the hood, ain't nothing like seeing your man fight over you. Oh, that means something. Uh-huh. And he was a pussy. He didn't hit the dude. He let the dude go and hit me, and the gun went off and supposedly fucking blew a nice little piece of my head off in the back. Yeah. I guess it just cracked my skull. I don't really know. But you, you, know. Didn't, you, you got lucky. I got lucky. Yeah, so, but he carried a gun. Yeah, he always carried a gun because he was a pussy. <laughs> So after that, you know, uh, I immediately, after I got out of the hospital, I went back with him. Because I was like, oh, he loved me. He shot me. Fucking stupid as all get out. Then I get shot again. This is all in the same year. Uh, arguing with a dude in the trap. You know what that is, where they sell the drugs at. And just jealous. And he shot me in my fucking titty and blew my nip off. From the side, I guess. He went up under my arm. Yeah. With and a forty-five and blew my fucking gun. nip off. Yeah, so you're one nipple shy. Well, it's 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 there. It's, <laughs> just, it might be scattered, smothering his cover, but <laughs> it's just a unique nipple now. It's a special. It's nipple. some damage areola going on. <laughs> it's still suckable. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't lose your sensitivity, did you? And, uh, for a while, but it's back. Yeah, it's okay. back now. It's like having a C-section. You be numb for a while, yeah. and after you look up one, they're like, "Damn, I feel something down there." Finally, good. Yes. So, well, well, that's a so when you started selling drugs, it was at a just out of desperation to keep the kids fed. Um, I, it was something that was going on in my community. Everybody was selling. Either you were smoking it or you were selling it. And I've never been into drugs and alcohol and shit like that. So I was like, and everybody, you know, was looking nice. Started to look like they call them cracky. Mm. They was just looking horrible. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this shit. So wait, but so that was the first wave of it. Yeah, so I started selling drugs, and I, I got really... But then how you getting drugs? Do you got another dude you got to deal with that's watching, you know, that's like on top of you with, with his drugs? I no, mean, no, no. Actually, I started with my welfare check. I went out, and I bought $250 worth, and $250 worth should bring you $500. Then I partnered up with a friend um, in my old neighborhood, and we just put our money together, and we just kept flipping it and kept flipping it. 
So that's when you took the nickname Rabbit? No, I was always called Rabbit as a kid. Who did that? Your grandfather? My, ste- my stepfather called oh, yeah. me Rabbit. So when, I mean, I couldn't go out there and say Patricia. That shit don't sound tough at all. No. So I can't, everybody, you know, you're in the hood. Everybody got a nickname. Slim, Black, you know, Big Daddy, Little Daddy, Fat Man. So you got to have a nickname. So that, that's what's <clears throat> interesting to me about, like, the community. Because it seems that despite the fact that shit was horrible, that the community sort of stays intact and everybody watches everybody go through their shit and everyone comes around. Some people don't make it. and But y'all know each other. Well, Is you that- know, you, you get, after a while, you get immune to that shit. You know, it just, shit that go, it's a cycle. It just keep going. You know, I, 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 I tell a bit, I say, you know, it's like being on welfare. Welfare is like diabetes. If the mama get it, there's a good chance the daughters might get it. So it's just a cycle. And it's, and it's up to you to say, hey, I don't want to be in this cycle anymore. You know, my mama was a teenage mom. I was a teenage mom. My sister was a teenage mom. Her girl's a teenage I got a niece 20 years old with five fucking kids. God damn it. Who are these guys fucking these little kids? Well, she's 20. The guys her age is fucking her, but it's okay. It's <laughs> a she, cycle. But if she's got five, she must have started when she was 15. Well, no, she probably started when she started in elementary school. I mean, like 12. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know how It's the real out. fucking world that people don't really know that exists. I mean, it's a cycle. It just keep going. It keeps going. Until but, but it's interesting. It's a real world in the, in, in that community. But, you, you know, like in, in the world that, that I live in, you know, child molesting is like way up there on the, like, that's fucked up. But it seems like that's just something that happens and there's drugs or shooting people that gets people put in jail. But, I mean, child molesting seems just par for the course. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You're pretty much right there. Yeah, they just let it keep happening. What? No one's calling anybody on that one. And I, I think that it, because of that, that's why the, the same patterns repeat themselves. Yeah, because teenage it, pregnancy, drugs, child molesting, all of that stuff. And you know, and I, t- I just, I have a niece that have four kids that live with me right now, yeah. Mark. That dropped. Out. I had custody of my sister kids for ten years. She came back and got them. So I was like, okay, bitch, these are your kids. You do what you want to do with them. But I tried to stop that fucking cycle of dropout teenage pregnant because you know it didn't happen to my daughter she came back and got her daughter her her daughter who lives with me now has yeah. four kids and 23 so I'm telling my niece when you get out of the hood don't fucking go back it's like fucking getting out of jail don't go commit another crime to do to go back to jail my niece fought me like a dog in the beginning oh you live in this big old house in this white neighborhood you want to act like you bougie you want to act like you better I say bitch I'm trying to survive I'm trying to show my kids something better I'm trying to make sure my kids graduate and don't have kids and it took me about three to four months to dig in her brain to realize her getting turned up don't pay no fucking bills boo boo yeah. getting turned up don't don't provide for your kids getting turned up don't help your kids but get a better better education living in the hood she finally realized she called me yesterday she said i'm so glad that you got us out the hood and i said well what went on my niece my niece who got the five kids her kid's father had some kids the little boy shot himself in the face yesterday in atlanta oh my three years old and she said that's could that could have been my son you know why because y'all too busy getting turned up getting high putting guns and drugs around these kids because it's okay it's okay if your past is hanging and you being tough i mean that's the image that you want to show your young black your young black uh kid it's amazing that it took four months for her to realize any sort of oh, truth shit, i'm still that. fighting her i'm still fighting her. but she's beginning to realize she's she's like oh you think you you know at first she was saying i think i'm better than everybody i said no bitch i work hard to get where i'm at I work hard to keep my daughter before becoming a teenage mom my daughter is the first one mark yeah. in, in three generations to graduate high school she's the first one to ever go to college 
in three generations as I can remember. So to get my daughter to that point, not her be pregnant, you know, not her being on drugs, not her dropping out, not giving me problems. That was a milestone. When that girl walked down that aisle and got that high school diploma, I, I cried so hard. But you know, my daughter said, I'm like, what are you crying for? I said to myself, if you knew what I went through in life to get you to this point, the cycle is finally broken. Mm-hmm. The cycle is finally broken in my family because nobody graduated. My sister got my sister. My, I had my sister oldest daughter. She did graduate. Yeah. But the rest of her girls pregnant on drugs. Babies. Babies. The low. These bitches have babies like babies don't even cost money. And I had to explain to my niece, do you know when you have these kids and you go on welfare and you sell your kids social security number and people get tax money for it? Do you know where that money come from? That's not your fucking money. Those are people who pay their taxes, taking out of their money, giving it to you. Like your Uncle Gary, who makes good money, but got to put back into the system to help your lazy ass. It's, it's, it's inherited. Being lazy is inherited. But it's all, yeah, but also this weird fear of betraying the shit. Like they're like I don't want to betray the 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 shit that you know that I live in, that that's that's amazing to me that it took you four months just to convince her. It's like you're not betraying anybody yeah. by getting out of that shit. But they but that's how you think. Oh, I gotta stay real to what I am. Fuck them. Do you know I only go see my family when they die? At a funeral, I'm not taking my kids around that shit. They fight at funerals. They they don't mind cutting the shit out of each other. They don't mind acting a fool. I after I got out of there with my husband, I never looked back. My kids wasn't around that shit. My kids went to good school system. I work with my kids. I don't hide my background from my kids. My kid, I dropped out of school in the fucking eighth grade. I mean, I have a son that's 28 and a daughter that's 27. Both of them graduated, and I have two teenagers now. Think you know, I don't have problems out of, but it's not easy. You have two new uh, younger yeah, I, kids. Yeah, by my husband, I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old. Oh, that's it, and and it, that's going well. That's going well, but I'm. I mean, I'm. I don't fucking sugarcoat nothing. I, yeah. t- you know, my daughter. They know my. my all my kids know my background. Right. They know I had kids, y'all. They know I dropped out. I'm always telling them society don't owe you shit. What you put into life is what you're gonna get out of life. Right. So don't waste your time putting nothing into life and thinking society owe you shit. I grew up thinking society owed me something because I had two babies by a married man. I fucking dropped out of school. I I had actually convinced myself that I never had a. I never had a beginning. So why should I be out here working and doing what I'm supposed to do right, trying to get my life back together when I never had a chance? So I was at my lowest point, I was like, fuck it. Nobody gave me a chance. I got pregnant at 13. I dropped out of school. What the fuck am I supposed to do with an eighth grade education? But then my husband was like, society don't owe you shit. Stop crying about the shit that you get, that you went through and do something with your life. What you going to do now? You still alive. I could see if you was dead and you was complaining, but you still alive. <laughs> Where, where's he from? He's from Atlanta, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And not, not from the same neighborhood? No, he grew up with a mom and daddy. It's 16 of them. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They a little more stability. Church every day. Yeah. Church. Family. <laughs> yeah. Family. Family not, comes first. Not chaos. <laughs> not chaos. Because when I tell these stories to him, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sometimes he can't believe it. And he black. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's also an interesting thing. The difference between. I mean, I mean, Chris Rock talked about it, too. But there's what is the tension between middle class blacks and where you come from? Is there judgment? Is there weirdness? Yeah, it's judgment because, you know, it's like it's like like I, I consider myself a middle class black. But when I go around my family, they be like, oh, you so bougie. You think you this? No, motherfucker. I go to work. I pay my taxes. It's called go to work and work hard. And if that job ain't working out for you, go get another goddamn job. And what do they respond to that? Like, oh, fuck you. You bougie. You this, you that. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, you could do the same shit I did. When when did you have this the the moment of clarity? Do you can you is was there a moment where you're like fuck? I mean, outside of in retrospect, because you said you were on the streets, you were selling. You didn't have, you didn't you didn't end up hooking, which is good, right? No, nah, I don't sell no pussy. That's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> and man, you know, crackhead brought the price of pussy down, so you was only getting five dollars for blowjob. And I'm not in today anyway, and I'm not selling no pussy too hard to clean out, Mark, for five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I just started. You know, I had a. I you had did a, jail time though. Yeah, I went to jail for trafficking drugs. How long? A year. Was that a fucking wake up call? Well, you know what, that that set me down, Mark, and um, it made me. I missed my daughter kindergarten year, and that shit hurted me. And it also ruined the relationship with my daughter for years. We could not bond because to her, I was a f- bad person. Let me back up. And let me yeah. tell you why. Because my daughter, I sold drugs in front of her elementary school. Ugh. The re- to all- elementary school students. No, no, oh, no, no, okay. no, no. In front of her school <laughs> yeah. was where my trout was. Right. Okay. And my everybody knew that my daughter, mom, was on that corner selling do- drugs every day. Yeah. And her, I think the principal did this shit on purpose. He always put her classroom on the side where I sold drugs at. So she would see me out there. And so one day she tell me, she said, you know, mama, um, I really want to transfer. And I think she's like second grade. And I was like, why? She's like, because I get tired of looking out of my school and seeing you sell drugs in front of my school. And that shit hit me in the chest like a brick. But of course, I'm in the hood and I got to be tough. I was like, uh, I don't want to hear that shit. I was here first. I'm grandfathered in. We're going to find you another school. So, you know, that's how I'm thinking, you know, yeah. not being just as a fucking dumbass. Right. So when I missed her kindergarten year, it kind of started me saying, I got to get my shit together. Yeah. And she didn't like me for years. We still getting back together now. Because You're a 28 year old? Well, we, we're a lot closer yeah. now. Plus, my let me say this. My 28-year-old is gay. So that's another thing. I've been to prison. I didn't like gay women. And all I talked about, I hate gay people. I hate gay, I hate gay bitches. I hate gay bitches. And then when my daughter came out to be gay, and I was like, well, why do I hate gay bitches? They didn't rape me. Well, you know, who, who am I to judge somebody for their fucking sexuality right. and realize I fucking love my daughter-in-law. I got a new daughter-in-law who's white that looked like fucking Justin Beavers or <laughs> <laughs> so you okay Robin with that? Thick. Well, yeah. I had to learn. You know, I had to learn. Well, that's something know. else that comes from growing up. You, yeah, you know, in the black judgment. community, because we we don't. Oh my God, you gay, you outcast. But you know, you take away that person's sexuality, judge them for their character. Who yeah. are they? Are they nice? Are they respectful to you? Do they treat you like a human being? Right. That's what it all come down to. But you had to learn that too. I had to learn that too. I I learned everything. The streets taught me shit. I learned shit along the way and people I started to surround myself around. Like I, I told myself when I started to get my life together, I said, if you didn't have a college degree, I didn't want you to be my fucking friend. I needed somebody I could learn from. Right. But in, in retrospect, you know, you have all these stories and it seems that, that, that most of the wisdom that you got from those stories was actually saying, fuck that, that yeah. the wisdom was hard earned because you had to learn how to unlearn that shit. Yes. Yes. So, you know, outside of like doing what you had to do to get by and rising above it, it seems like a lot of the wisdom of the street doesn't necessarily serve you in life. It doesn't. I mean, it teach you, teach you fucking bad habits. I mean, you think you think you're going to some uh, good stories, though. It's some good stories, though. I mean, they made for good stories. I'm over this shit. But I mean, come on now. 16 year old with two kids selling crack. That, I mean, think about that. I even think about how the fuck did I get by? You know, I remember being in the car one time with my daughter and this dude was shooting at me with my fucking baby in the car. So I'm like, lay down. But, you know, after a while. 
you 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 start to train those kids to the ghetto. You hear shooting, you hit the fucking ground. Just like the firefighter used to come to the school and say, "Hey, you ever on fire? Drop, roll, and right. shit like that." Yeah, so you st- say, you, say, you yeah. trying to teach them survivor skills? Yeah, yeah. Well, my daughter hated that shit. She was like, she told me one day, she was like, "You gonna get me killed." On, on Ashby Grove. She was so fucking scared of Ashby Grove. I remember being in the house gambling one night and my daughter in the living room playing with her dog. And I, I used to shoot crap like a motherfucker. <laughs> and these guys started arguing. I'm like, man, y'all, come on. So they started arguing. It was like $50 to get in. One guy just shot the other guy in the chest. And my daughter jumped up like a fucking jackrabbit and ran out that door and they just shooting in the house and I'm crawling out the house, you know, trying to get away from them, hoping I don't get shot. My fucking daughter... I'm not lying. I think she ran almost a mile. We had to get in the car to go get her. We couldn't stop her. Yeah. And when I got her, she was like, you going to get me killed. you going to get me killed. How old Just, was she? Uh, probably about five or six. Oh, my God. And, you know, and she remember that kind of shit. But my son was a baby. He was a toddler. But she, you know, was a smaller kid. But Well, you remembered your grandfather shooting off some lady's fingers. How's she not going to remember that shit? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Guns make an impression. Yeah, I mean, because... And I, and I started to realize, like, I'm exposing my kids to the shit I was exposed to. i tell you this quick story. My my grandfather, we stole some food stamps when we were little, my aunt, because Pac-Man was out. And we used to fucking love Pac-Man. Yeah. To me, Pac-Man was escape away from the from the bootleg house. So, we, you know, we didn't have no money. I used to have a lot of money, but this my mama would my mama taught me how to go in drunk people's pocket when they fell asleep at the lookout house. Mm-hmm. And for every wallet I got, I got five dollars per wallet. From your mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. As long as I put the wallet back, take the money out, and she give me five dollars per person. Mm-hmm. So this weekend I didn't get any money. Then enough people fall asleep, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> I get my brother going there and steal my aunt food stamp. So back in the day, you could buy a 10 cent piece of candy and they'll give you 90 cents back. So you just stay there and play Pac-Man all right. day. So we get back to the house. It's about 10 of us. We all promise we won't tell who stole the food stamp. We get back and my granddad and aunt is awake. And he was like, where's the fucking food stamp? Now, my granddad is a big old black man. It kind of looked like a big old ape, dark yeah. with long plaits and scary as fuck. So we standing there, and I think I might be the youngest of the group, and we standing there looking at him, and he was like, who stole the fucking food stamp? So he just grabbed a chair, threw a rope up in a beam that was in the ceiling, grabbed my cousin Fat Man, put the rope around his neck. He said, now I'm going to hang every one of you Negroes if y'all don't tell me who stole the food stamp. He pulled that chair away from the front of my cousin, and I almost shit it. I don't know if you ever seen a black man hanging, but that is the most scarified shit as a kid. <laughs> Never seen that. Oh, Mark. You, I was like, uh, Granddaddy, aunt stole the food stamp. I don't want to die before Miss Pac-Man come out. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened to your cousin Pac-Man? <laughs> I think it was like a quick hang, yeah. but to me, he was up there for 10 minutes, Mark. I almost shit at my pants. And all I'm thinking about, oh my, because he was like, I'm going to start from the youngest to the oldest. I was like, hold on, goddamn it. I'm the youngest. And I'm next. Oh, hell no. You got to be told. <laughs> Oh, my God. That, uh, those are some hard life lessons. Yeah. So, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, you so did, you know, did, was religion part of your life? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was. We grew up Christians, and, um, like, <laughs> we went to church, but my mama went to church with a hustle in mind. So, like, 
<laughs> we went we went to different churches on Sunday and we would get baptized mm-hmm. because back then the church cared about you. If you if you join the church and get baptized, they would pay your you know help you with your bills. Yeah. So I ended up getting baptized like twenty five times <laughs> because this was my mama fucking hustle, <laughs> and I didn't even know you only supposed to get baptized once. But you know, my mom would open the phone booth and say, "Yeah, we're gonna join this church right here today." <laughs> you know, they gonna help with, my, with the utility. Well, <laughs> well, the thing was is for them to help us, we had to be baptized. Right. So she. She was scared of these baptisms. I was like, I'm tired of this baptizing shit. <laughs> Mom, shut the hell up. You want to eat? So when they get through baptizing, the church was giving my mama, you know, a check for yeah. her utilities yeah. and a box of food. Right. And that was our hustle. Every week. Almost yeah. every week, Mark. When, uh, when we when we discover white churches, oh my God. <laughs> they want to baptize you, kiss you, give you clothes, give you extra boxes of food and Oh, my mom was going out there and give them sad stories and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she would say, don't you niggas smile one time while you at the church. <laughs> like, who want to smile when you get us baptized two, three times a fucking day? <laughs> That's but, a hell of a racket. Yeah. So I didn't even realize it until I'm talking to my girlfriend one day. We saw a baptism. And I was like, how many times you been baptized? She was like, once. I was like, why? I got baptized 25 times. <laughs> and she thought that was the funniest shit ever. She was like, who in the hell baptized you 25 times? I said, well, who in the hell only baptized you once? <laughs> your, mom, your mom didn't have the angle. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't realize what she could get. I asked my brother, I said, do you remember getting baptized a lot? He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I know I should get into heaven. I'm one nipple less, and I've been shot twice, and hit by a dump truck, and I've been baptized 25 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what was it? The dump truck story is the same as the nipple story? No, nah, I jumped off an overpass. I saw my baby daddy cheating so the overpass one day how i was fucking crazy when i was young and i jumped onto his fucking truck <laughs> from the overpass yeah he, he's like my, he didn't see me i was like you fucking saw me in the air hollering yeah. what the fuck is this bitch doing in your car <laughs> when i was young i didn't think i could die did, i really did, i was fucking did crazy. you break anything no nah, i fucked up my leg with though <laughs> yeah, I fucked up my leg. I jumped my young ass, and I was a lot smaller. Overpass ain't really that high. Yeah. Uh, so, what was this Jimmy Carter story? Oh God, <laughs> I was uh, when I was getting my life back together. When uh, Bill Clinton was no, was it Bill Clinton? Yeah, Bill Clinton was in office the first time. Uh, he created the welfare to work program. Mm-hmm. So that's when you had to go to work. You couldn't sit on your ass anymore. Yeah. So I get this job at McDonald's and I'm working at McDonald's and I'm, you know, I'm doing like most people at McDonald's and in my, my neighborhood, I'm stealing a couple of dollars out the register every day. So I had just stole some money and this black van started circling the, um, just circling around the building. And I'm like, holy fuck, they don't call me stealing. You know, I'm going back to jail. <laughs> Cause it was black with ten to one. Everybody know that's the fucking police. Yeah. So, uh, this white dude get out with a nice suit and a plug in it. It was Secret Service. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, who the fuck is he? And he he hit a earpiece and he was like, it's clear sending me. And, and you're at the counter? You're at the I'm register? At the, yeah, I'm at the register. In yeah. walked Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I couldn't remember his name for shit because Jimmy Carter's fucking a 70s person. Yeah. And I was born in the 70s. And he get to my register and I talked to him like somebody on the street. So I look at Jimmy Carter and I was like, nigga, where the fuck I know you from? <laughs> And Secret Service fucking lost it. And I got a straight face, because you know everybody's an N-word in the hood. That's how we talk to each right, other. Right. And Jimmy Carter's like, young lady, young lady, young lady. I was like, you look familiar. 
He turned pink, Mark. He turned uh, pink. He, and um, the boy on the grill's like, Patricia, that's the president. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I told you I know you nigga, your cheeseburger free. <laughs> Jimmy Carter did not smile. I always wonder what he would remember me. I would hope so. <laughs> if anything, for the free cheeseburger. <laughs> I get, it was a cheeseburger, a side salad, and a water. <laughs> and he was the only person in that McDonald's that, because we were just bullshit. You know, I just stole a few dollars out the register. And we just standing there, you know, I'm smiling, can't wait to clock out. And in walked him, in walked Jimmy Carter. And I called my husband, you know, my husband is a very intelligent guy who reads all the time, you know, been in the military and shit. I said, oh, that nigga Jimmy Carter just left out of here. He was like, Pat, please don't. Tell me you didn't say that. I said, like, yeah, I told that nigga I know him. He's like, oh, my God. I asked my husband, why did you marry me? Was you trying to save somebody? <laughs> so you got you were already married when you went into jail? No. Uh-uh. I was. I got married after I got out of jail, and uh, I was eight, 19. So you're 19, you got two kids, and where do you meet the man that's going to marry you? I meet him at a Bruce Bruce show. It was a lip singing comedy show. Uh-huh. So you, you either lip sing or you did comedy. So Bruce his, Bruce. Yes. Yeah. So his brother. Is that your first comedy show? That was the first comedy show I had ever been to. Uh-huh. And we went there for a night out. And I was like, hey, fat boy, you kind of cute. And in my head, I already had a now hiring baby daddy sign out. Uh-huh. I needed a baby daddy quick because I had a young black man that was growing up in the ghetto. And I needed somebody to show to be a father. And when he and the pop- other guy though the other guy that shot you and is he out of the picture completely? Did you? No, find- no, no, no. I'm still in love with this this nigga right now at the time. Yeah. But when I met my husband yeah. and I was like ching ching right. baby daddy right. material. He had all his back teeth. Yeah. He was intelligent. <laughs> yeah. His tennis shoes was clean. Yeah. And he had a job. Yeah. And later on, I found out he had good credit. Now, I know you don't date black men, but it's hard to find them with good credit and a job and back teeth. <laughs> so to me, I hit a fucking jackpot. And he liked you. Uh, I think he liked me. <laughs> you just you just walked up to him at a Bruce Bruce show. No, we was we was all hanging out together. Oh, okay. He came with his brother, and I came with my sister in law. Oh, we was okay. all just talking. I was like, he was kind of about ice cube size. Uh-huh. He's bigger now, but I was like, hey, fat boy, uh, you want to split some wings? <laughs> That was your line? That was my line. He was like, who the hell are you calling fat? You know, he just got out of the military. He uh-huh. think he all fit and shit. Yeah. And so I just started talking to him. And at the time, I was into forging chicks. So I would tell him I done did a lot of shit, Mark. So I was like, hey, after I, we traded numbers, so I said, hey, come over to my house and give me a ride, you know, to Macy's or whatever. And I give and I get you a couple polo shirts and shit like that. <laughs> You're going to buy him some shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy him some shit. He was like, I don't want that stolen shit. That's <laughs> what he said. He, he's, he's he saw you right through you, huh? Yeah, because he's not, he's not, he made me stop doing all that shit. So he would come over to the house and shit, and I was like, well, let me borrow your car so I can go out here and hustle. And he would watch my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time he told me, because he got tired of me just breaking the law. He's like, if you leave, I'm going to, because I told him all these fucked up stories. He's like, if you leave these kids here with me, I'm going to touch them. I said, oh, hell no, y'all get in the car. This nigga told me I touch y'all. But he did that. So like, he told me, he's like, I'm going to smoke drugs if you don't start selling drugs. So uh-huh. I just gave it all up. He must have been in love with you he i think he was he i said, would say why would he go why would he put himself through that we exactly and people ask him all the time because after we got married immediately i got cussed at my sister for a kid so here we are i'm 19 he's 21 and we got six kids and ain't now one of them his and his mom was like, why would you stay with her? Who wants somebody with six kids right off the bat? You 21. You just got out of the milita- military. Why are you with this, you know, this crazy ass girl? And what did he say? He didn't. He just said, I like her. <laughs> so how the hell did you get rid of the other guy? 
Well, you know what? I, when I went into the relationship, my, well, he started dating a crackhead named Tinkerbell, and I was like, that's it. But I was still in love with him. So when I needed a place to live, right, because I was getting evicted from my apartment. So my husband, well, at the time, just somebody who was giving me a ride, which my husband now, he said, I will go and get you an apartment. He fucking went and got me an apartment. And I said, well, I really can't pay the rent. Can you move in with me? So we moved in together, and I told him up front, I said, look, I've been through a lot. Yeah. I really still love Daryl. I said, I love him a lot. I said, but I think I can grow to love you. I said, I like you. You, I'm attracted to you. I can kiss you, but I don't love you. Wow. And he accepted it. And I grew to love him. And he's my fucking soulmate. That's heavy, man. Yeah, that's heavy. Because I, I asked him all the time, I was like, why did you stay? Why did you stay? But that kind of honesty in that moment, I mean, you didn't have to do that. I mean, that's like rolling the dice. How do you know he's going to stay with you? He could have just said, fuck this. Yeah, when I went and got my sister kids, he packed it. She's like, oh, fuck, you got six kids. What am I going to do? And I said, I, I said, I said, what I've been through in life, all I'm asking you is to help me give these kids the opportunity that they're never going to get at my sister's house with my sister smoking crack. I don't want these kids to be molested. I don't want these kids to drop out. Just help me. And he stayed. Huh. And we raised those kids like you didn't even know that those were my nieces until we was out in public and they called me auntie. Because here we are, 19 and 21, I think, six with kids. six kids. And I, I didn't even have any kids. I had to go because I had an abortion early that damaged my cervix. So I had to go and damn near get fixed to have another baby. No, you two didn't have any kids, but you mm -mm. had the two. I had the and two. four I, of hers. Yeah, four of hers. And, they, and, and, did, and that's the one that you had to give the lecture to recently? One of her kids? Yes, one of her. Because we had them for 10 years. So my sister come back and she take them, Mark, which told me to. And everybody was like, oh, she should have her own kids. I said, y'all don't realize what I'm telling y'all. This is this person is my mama all over again. Yeah. These kids are going to end up like we did. And they all got on drugs. And it, well, my oldest one did. Her oldest one did. Well, her, three of them got on drugs, had kids, and all kind of shit they, they went, went through. just went right back after went 10 right years. Back. After 10 years, like I didn't teach them shit. Oh my God! How about, how's your brother? The one you talked to about being baptized? Are they? I, I mean, are they, do you have? He a, he did a lot of time in prison. He used to be like a cat burglar. Uh huh. And so, <laughs> so I, I call. I have to call him sometime because what I'm doing now, I just I'm writing a proposal for a book about my life. Yeah. And so, um, I had to call him the other day and say, "Did Uncle Peanut teach you how to steal?" And he was like, "Yes." So a lot of time I have to, <laughs> you gotta do some research. <laughs> I have to do some research because a lot of this shit, I'd be like, "Is this real? Mm -hmm. Did this really happen?" You just needed to be validated by your other siblings. Yes. Am like, I, did this I, really go am on? Am I remembering this properly? He shot her fingers off, right? Yeah. And so, and I called my when he was like, "Well, he shot in the foot too," and I was like, "Well, I don't need all that information. I just remember him shooting the shit out of her." What other What other questions did you have to get to, to, that you were unclear on? Like, I have to ask my sister when we lived in one house that my mama cooked in the, my mama cooked in the uh the fireplace yeah i said am i remembering this right because she would make us she, we didn't we didn't we never had light yeah, no, and gas oh, oh. at the same time you either had one or the other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never had fucking electricity and right. gas we took so many cold baths by the time i got older and got a real fucking bath i think i lost 20 pounds <laughs> so, so she did cook in the fireplace yeah, she cooked in the fireplace, and she cooked outside on the barbecue grill. Uh -huh. Why, like we live near the school, yeah. so she would go out there and fry chicken on the barbecue grill with wood, and the kids would walk by me like, "Oh, Patricia, I'm out there cooking uh, chicken on the barbecue grill," which was fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I, mean, I'm a, I was already the dirty poke kid, and your mama out there cooking food on the barbecue <laughs> grill. Where they do that at? 
I mean, not even with charcoal, Mark. It was fucking wood. Yeah. And she's like, shut the fuck up and go get more wood so I can cook this cornbread. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay so you got that what else did you have to fact check um just shit like um you know the type of drugs mama was on mm-hmm. was it really weed or was it something else and no one got strung out on heroin black people don't do that shit mom no? okay who the fuck black gonna focus on heroin we ain't shooting shit in our own we ain't got no health care we don't even want no fucking tetanus shot we don't even want a fucking three month old shot how many black people you see on heroin <laughs> those are the ones with the money yeah. that grew up around white people black people do cracking weed <laughs> right, okay. and fucking uh, embalming fluid now all that old other shit they into right right like they weed the wet weed and shit yeah, but yeah. I don't too much know that many black people on heroin no. do you no I, I don't I tell you one story Heroin hit the black community in the nineties, in the early yeah, in the early eighties. Well, heroin was sort of old school. I mean, I guess it was probably the fifties and sixties, and you know that it was around before crack. There was heroin. I think. Yeah, yeah. So we in my neighborhood when we lived in Vine City, you either bought uh, heroin or you bought crack. But crack was more popular. But I had a neighbor who shot heroin, yeah. and I, I, I. My mama shot up every day because she was a diabetic. Mm-hmm. So I saw my neighbor shoot up what I thought was diabetic medication. Yeah, yeah. But when he shoot this mm-hmm. shit, I don't know what it did to him. He had to get naked. <laughs> and the kids be out there playing. You got this grown ass man with this big old black dick just swinging it, hollering, get the rat out of my ass. But he always wanted me to get the rat out of his ass. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there looking up his ass like, J-Bell, ain't no rat in your ass. He thought he had a rat in his ass? He thought he had a rat in every his ass. Every time he shot up. Every time he shot up. And he's like, get the rat out of my ass. <laughs> And I remember one time looking at his ass like, J-Bell, the rat hanging in the front. Ain't no rat back here. Your diabetes messing up. <laughs> but nobody tried to make him put his clothes on. Oh, just... It was every weekend we saw J-Bell naked as a fucking bird. And high as fuck. High as fuck. And he'd be all on top of the car, all on top of the fucking sign. We, people like, oh, that's J-Bell. He high. When he come down, he going to put his clothes on. And we'd be like, oh, look at J-Bell sitting up there naked. Just naked as he could be. I mean, dick slaying everywhere in front of the kids. You thought it was just the diabetes. That's my only encounter with heroin. When he shot that shit, he got naked. Oh, wow. It, and it was like kind of funny, you know. more energy than most junkies uh, that I know. Well, I stopped going to watching wrestling after I moved in that neighborhood because you saw everything. Like, you saw the, my, the fucking bootleg man at that time. I saw a bootleg man stab a dude in the eye for trying to run out on some shots. <laughs> Why, what do you need wrestling for? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this shit is on my back porch and it's real and it's going down. And then the police show up and beat everybody ass. And then you just wait on the next fight to break out. <laughs> so when when did the uh, so okay, so you get with the new man, you got your 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 sister's kids, you, he's twenty one, you're nineteen, you're raising six kids, and he's working. Hell yeah. He yeah. was working at Simmons Mattress. And and then when does the comedy thing start to happen for you? Um I, oh, my comedy started happening. I take a trip to the welfare office, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, all I had to do was tell white women these horrible stories. That was my game. The more horrible these stories are, the more, oh, you need more food stamps and you need more welfare. <laughs> and I hope you just heal from all your pain. It was a fucking gimmick I had. Yeah. If the caseworker was right, white, that was more horrible the story was going to be. <laughs> and I get in there crying. I didn't have a chance. <laughs> so one time I go to recertify for my food stamps and stuff. And it's a black caseworker. I'm like, oh, here we go with this shit. I got to work hard to convince this bitch this shit is horrible. <laughs> And I started telling her these stories, and this lady bust out laughing. 
Just bust out laughing after I tell her the hanging story with my granddad. She was like, this stuff is hilarious. You should be a comedian. And I'm like, bitch, I didn't come here for no job. (laughs) 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 And she was like, this stuff is funny. And Mark, I never thought this stuff was funny. And she was like, I'm telling you, you could be like Richard Pryor. I'm like, who the fuck is Richard Pryor? And she was like, you could be a comedian. So I leave You didn't know who Richard Pryor was? Uh -uh. Mm-mm. I didn't know shit about comedy. Yeah. Wasn't no comedy where I come from. It was all well, fucking I mean, surviving pain. Yeah, but he was a big movie guy. <laughs> well, you mean, his name didn't ring a bell in right, the right. I, Once I went home and I Googled him, yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, and then I realized, and I started Googling like his salary. I was like, you make all that money from telling your business? All these years I've been telling this shit for free. And so I told my husband, I was like, my caseworker say I'm funny. But people have always told me I was funny. He was like, here we go with this shit again. Yeah. And so I convinced the girl who actually had a baby by my baby daddy she was the one she was the one he showed up at the hospital with when i was 14 and gave birth uh he she and we ended up moving around the corner from her mm-hmm. so, so we both had a baby by daryl yeah so i convinced her one night to come to go to open mic with me and in I, atlanta in atlanta well what club it was a fucking little pub. Mm-hmm. It was called a pub. Mm-hmm. It was like a little open mic at a bar. Mm-hmm. And I went in now, and I can I can just come out the white, top of my black. head. It was white and black people. Just and said, I just uh-huh. told a story about my brother being a cat burglar. And they laughed. I was like, oh, I'm a comedian. I got this shit figured out. Shit, I didn't realize this shit was work. But yeah. that's how, that's when it first sparked that I was I was funny. And when did when did you start working? Um, when I moved to Indianapolis, I started to um, get my set together. I started to be more honest with who I was to talk about my life. Because I was like, you know, I, I was like most black female comedians. Oh, I suck dick. I do this. And I was like, well, I really don't suck dick. I got vertigo. Why I'm sitting up here telling all these lies? Mm-hmm. And people was like, won't you just be honest? Tell people you sold drugs. Tell people what you did. Tell people you had two kids. Who told t- you to do that? Just other comics was like, won't you be honest with yourself? Tell people you had two kids. That's White comics or black comics? Black comics. Mm-hmm. Tom Simmons was one of them. You mm-hmm. know Tom Simmons? Mm-mm. Well, he was one of them. So, um, and I was like, I don't want to tell about that horrible shit because I was still embarrassed by it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still kind of embarrassed by my past. Mm-hmm. And I just started to kind of, when I got to Indianapolis, I would tell like the guy who worked at the club these stories. He's like, talk about him on stage. I was like, nobody had no baby at 16 but me. I thought that shit only exists in the ghetto. When I tell you, when I tell people, me and my daughter is 12 years apart, people from all walks of life. I was just in Chicago and a white lady whispered in my ear like she was rich. She said, I had my first baby at 14 too. I was like, what the fuck? Well, it's interesting because it, 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 you know, a lot of white people have stereotypes in their head about what black people are like and, and that, you know, that kind of stuff happens. But they use it as a negative. So when you get up there and tell the truth of your experience in an emotional way and you frame it in your life, then it humanizes the whole thing and it just sort of disrupts all that. And you know what I get constantly every day? I get emails saying I am an inspiration. I was like, how the fuck am I an inspiration? And people's like, oh, I just wish I could be so honest with my past like you are and talk about it. I said, just talk about it. To me, it was a healing process. I mean, I'm learning not to be ashamed of what I went to. It's not my fault that, you know, I was born into that situation and, you know, that I, I guess it's kind of my fault. I had two kids by the time I was 16. I but you were a kid. I was a kid. So I I just try to take it and say, I'm going to take what was supposed to be horrible and turn it into something good. So when I started to talk about, you know, what I've been through in life, the shooting, the beating on, the mistreatment of, you know, my baby dad and everybody else, it healed me. 
I'm beginning to heal. Yeah. You know, I no longer have that cloud over my head. That ashamed. Ashamed and, you know, of the hurt of, you know, having two kids by, you know, by a married man and all that bullshit. I'm, I'm healing now. Yeah. So every time I'm on stage and I'm telling you this, it's, it's, it's a way for me to heal. Yeah, and it heals everybody. I mean, honesty is powerful shit. It's powerful shit, and, and people it, love it. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's it's the only way to go, and a lot of people just aren't cut out for it. I, I have no problem with people that write jokes and stuff, but if you if you come from the heart and you and you you, you you're straight up, I mean, yeah. it, you know, a lot of people are like, whoa, shit. But but then they're like it means something. Yeah, and I get that all the time. You know, I do, and I get a lot of uhs and ahs at my shows. And I said, you know, what you want me to do? You, I can't sugarcoat it. I mean, I don't know who the fuck you came to see. I'm gonna tell you what I've been through. <laughs> That's the way. I'm to not go. gonna sugarcoat it. You know, come mm-hmm. on, soccer moms, you've been through some shit too. Maybe. You know, <laughs> they've been through some shit. Sure. I mean, you'd be surprised. I, I mean, I got more more white fans than anything. But they're feeling ashamed about little shit. And if you're owning big shit, they're like, oh my god, what am I hiding from? You know, I get that a lot. People's like, fuck, I thought my life was mm-hmm. fucked up. I'm never gonna complain again, Miss Pat. <laughs> I get that all the time. I said, so, oh, you think your mama taking your iPod was bad, huh? <laughs> try trying to fucking breastfeed a baby at 14 and you don't know the nipple's supposed to go in the mouth and you trying to make the baby just suck the top of the titty. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother didn't even teach you that? <laughs> no, I was at the hospital. It was in the 90s when, I mean, the 80s when, when young, when teenage pregnant was so big, yeah. so big in the ghetto that people was like, you know, the nurses was so fucking mean. Oh, in here having a baby at 14. So you know, I remember, well, yeah, she like had an African nurse and she went to draw my blood. And I was like, oh, that hurt. She was like, did that dick hurt? Oh my I God. said, a dick don't have a point on it like that. <laughs> that. That point is rounded off and it's soft, bitch. You know it's soft, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it feel good once it get through the walls. <laughs> you know, you in here pulling something out of me. <laughs> fuck is wrong with you <laughs> they were so mean to me because here i am 14 and then they, they they you know like you haven't learned your fucking lesson yeah then i return the next year giving birth mm-hmm. oh you back again bitch mm-hmm. but you know what's crazy mm-hmm. because he signed my kid's birth certificate and i was 14 and he was 22 or 23 and nobody says shit see that's the thing that's getting me through the whole thing and these fuckers are child molesters. Yes. And they're blaming you. You do that shit. You do it today, you'll go to fucking jail. You go down there, you take your grown ass down there and sign a 14-year-old birth certificate, you're going to jail. I don't know He how signed that, both of my kids' birth certificates. How is that possible? Nobody was there to protect me. Nobody stood up and said, hey, this is fucking child molestation. Why isn't this dude is in fucking jail? Why, why isn't he in jail? Oh, man. Nobody. That's the one the one part of the story that's like, because like you hear about all the other shit, but it really is just, it's overlooked. No one's there to protect. That's the problem with where you come from is that there is no one there to protect Nobody you. gives a fuck. Exactly. Nobody gave a fuck. Well, I'm Not, glad that you do. I do now. Nobody's, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful nobody got a chance to do to my daughter what was done to me and or your, my son. And your relationship with your kids is good for the most part. Yeah, I got great kids. I mean, you know, me and my daughter was going at it when she was in college and she was hiding the fact that she was gay so she ran away and, you know, she's, she she was in college for three years and she just couldn't take it. Mm. And I kind of figured she was gay a long time ago. We mm-hmm. kind of figured she was gay. And um, she ran away and I, I and I hadn't seen her like two, three years so I finally got in touch with her. She was in Virginia. I said, what is your problem? Yeah. I said, are you gay? She was like, yes. I said, okay, it's out. Bring your ass home. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because she was 
my firstborn. I mean, I went through a lot to get her to that point. So, you know, nobody, I mean, as a parent, you're going to go through shit. Whether your child is gay, whether they're on drugs, whether they've been rebellious, you yeah, know, sure. situations are situation. Everybody's is different. And you're going to want to be with them at some point. Yeah, know? and I love my fucking daughter. I love, and I told my daughter, I said, you know what? My daughter have had girlfriends way better than her daddy ever treated me. Mm-hmm. I've never known a bitch to pop my daughter in the eye every Friday. <laughs> like yeah, her daddy did me. Shoot her, shoot her <laughs> or beat her down. Every, you know I mean, she ain't had many relationships because she stayed on them a couple of years. Mm. But they have treated her the way she's supposed to be treated. Well, that's sweet. And that's what I'm happy. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck what you eat or suck on or whatever yeah. your preference is. As long as they respect you and love you and treat you like a human being. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And how's your, for your son? My son is great. He's I'm a grandmother. He's uh, working. He don't beat bitches. <laughs> he yeah. graduated. You know, he wasn't college material. Right. Oh, God, I barely, I, it was rough yeah. getting him out of high school. <laughs> not, I mean, not because he was a bad kid. He's got a comprehension problem. But yeah. he graduated. He's doing great. And the you young know? ones are? Yeah. Um, I, I call, let me tell you, I call my oldest one my Medicaid baby. Yeah. And I call my youngest one my, my Blue Cross Blue Shear baby. Uh-huh. So they ain't they don't know the struggle. So right. they some bougie-ass little black kids yeah. living in a fucking nice neighborhood. They don't know the struggle. Do they get along with their half-brothers what and sister? Have, well, no, I mean, do they get along with the older ones? Yes, they, they, they all really close. I don't oh, do that half shit. Because they daddy right. raised y'all. Y'all right, all right, is right, one. Right, okay. <laughs> At least all y'all last names start with an L. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat, it was, uh, it was great talking. And I'm excited to be on the show with you tonight. I'm excited too, and thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my God, that's our show. The amazing Ms. Pat. God, she should write a book. She should definitely write a book. I. It gets you know when you when you hear stories like that, you're like there. There's more. You, there can't. How can there be more? It's unbelievable. Go see her if you can. Um, and I hope you, uh, I hope you dug that. I hope you were uh, engaged as I was in in just a, a world I don't know. And uh, it's 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 heavy, man. It's definitely heavy. Hey, look! Before we go, I want to remind you to check out untuckit.com. Shirts made exclusively for men who wear their shirts untucked. Untucket shirts are designed to fall at the perfect length, no matter what your size. Visit untuckit.com and improve your wardrobe today. Use promo code Mark for a special ten percent off all purchases. Shipping is free both ways. The fall line was just released. Plaids, Oxford, solids, checks, chambrays, and more fall styles are available now, people. Is that how you pronounce that word? I don't know. The right shirt can make all the difference. Untuckit.com, promo code Mark. Shirts designed to be worn untucked. That's Mark, M-A-R-C. That's our show, people. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get that app. App. Get the free app. Upgrade to premium. You can uh, stream every episode. The most recent 50 are always free. Leave a comment. Do what you got to do. Oh, my God. This running thing is knocking me out. The, the smoothie didn't save me. I can't. I, I hope Monkey's okay. God damn it. You had that moment where I'm like, you know, these cats are going to die at some point. And it's sad. But the same day that Monkey was... He was sketchy, you know, for days. Monkey was just acting weird and disjointed. And, but every time I talk about symptoms on this show or whatever, I get very... You know, very um, sort of alarmist feedback, which is fine, but it's not, they're not always like, not always the worst thing. But, um, 
But out of nowhere, uh, Scaredy Cat, the striped feral, uh, showed up yesterday. Right when Monkey was feeling better. And then I had to take him to vet because he's still licking his dick. But uh, it was good to see Scaredy Cat, the striped feral. I hadn't seen him in months. Months. Looking healthy. This happened before with him. Looks fat even. Someone's feeding that cat. Always gives me hope that Boomer's just somewhere. Living, the, living large. Eating the wet food. In a sweet old Mexican lady's house. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!